0: once in a while <laughs> that is nice thank you I appreciate that Numbers chapter 21 book of Numbers chapter 21 this this chapter has been a mess, uh, just a blessing to me over the years I'd like to be a blessing to you tonight don't forget brother David Pitts I admit that Mrs. Pitts sure knows how to get me she called me just before I come to church and she said pastor David has a virus And she said, Now, I don't want you to go see him. He's not doing that well, and I don't want you to go see him. Old people like you are dangerous when they get to see (laughs) (laughs) him. She she tells me every time she calls me, she gets me somehow. Now, I said, Not today. Now, she ain't going to get me today. And she does every time. She'll get me somehow. (laughs) But we really do need to pay for David. And I wish you'd remember Ron Huckabee. This morning he's not looking that well. We need to really pray for him. Uh, just, just pray that the Lord lift him up, if you would please. Remember, now he had that double uh, lung transplant, and, and uh, just, just pray for him every day, please. That God would take care of him. Numbers chapter twenty-one, verse one. And when King Arad, the Canaanite which dwelt in the south, heard tell that Israel, came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And Israel vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities. And he called the name of the place Hormuth, and they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to pass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this, the wilderness? For there's no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bid the people and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpent from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, it shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And the children of Israel set forth and pitched in Oboth. Turn with me, please, to John 3. John chapter 3. I want you to read verse 14 and 15. John chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have Eternal life. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we again thank you, Lord, for this wonderful portion of Scripture. We thank of each one who's come tonight. We thank of those who's healed tonight and can't be with us, that need your hand upon their lives, Lord. Would you heal their bodies, that they can be with us soon? But Lord, if you'll bless each one who's come here tonight as we study thy word together, bless us and teach us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I I love this portion of Scripture. There's several uh, just uh, spiritual lessons that we can learn from you. Number one is how to have victory over sin in our lives. That's verses 1 through 3. Number two is how do you get eradicated from sin? Verses 4 through 9. Number three, the reason for our discouragements is in verses 4 and 5. Now, I want to take each one of those, if I can tonight. Number one, is how to have victory over sin in our life. Now, in these three verses is given the struggle and the victory of the soldiers of Christ over his spiritual enemy and the duty of every Christian soldier. Now, watch this. And when King Arad, the Canaanite, which dwelt in the south, Heard tell that Israel came by the way of the spies, then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. And they vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, If thou wilt indeed deliver this people into my and our hand, then will I utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord hearkened to the voice of Israel, and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them and their cities, and he called. And what I want to show you there is uh, that if you want to have victory in your life, you got to utterly destroy sin in your life. Notice that the fear and the anger of the Canaanites was because Israel was coming by the way of the spies or Israel was trying to get to the promised land. Now, the reason Satan and all the demons of hell fight against you and I uh, is because we're on our way to heaven. Amen? Now, uh, Satan makes no direct attack on those who sees... He sees walking contrary to God into his rest. If you'll if ever notice, uh, we wonder sometimes how uh, the so-called Christians and some Christians is backslidden away from the Lord and they seem to prosper. They seem to everything is fine. But you see other Christians is trying to serve the Lord, do the best they can, and that's the one the devil attacks. And that's taught right here in these verses. Satan don't fight those that's going with him. Satan fights those that's going away from him. The Bible says, Can two walk together unless they're agreed? No, they can't. And if you're walking along with the devil, the devil ain't going to fight you. But if you're going God's way against the devil, that's when he'll fight you. And that's the first lesson. Number two, Israel was attacked suddenly and unexpectedly and with some success. Satan's attacks on Christians come suddenly, and at times we don't expect Satan and goes about as a roaring lion. Here's a lesson we need to learn. The the lion always roars just before he attacks. You know Satan's the same way. Satan always roars just before he attacks us. And we we know, the Bible says, he goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. We know he's after us. But we never expect him to. We're never looking for him like we ought to he comes on us suddenly. But we do know he attacks us. Notice again that this king in verse one took some of God's captive children captive, and one desire of Satan over us is to put us in bondage of sin. Then notice number four, Israel's victory over God's enemies was extermination. Verse two the only way a child of God can have victory in his life over sin is to utterly forsake it or destroy it. The only way to overcome temptation and sins, evil habits, passions, temper, you could go on on naming this, is to completely destroy them. Take no prisoners. Forsake all known sin in life at any cost. I've, I've been with so many people that's trying to give up sins in their life. And they, they do it... Pay and and you, you go to... I never will forget who was it... Uh, uh, somebody was telling me that uh, where they went one time. Uh, I believe it's... I can't remember now. Anyhow, uh, they were trying to take the alcohol away from them, but they wouldn't take the cigarettes and the alcohol away from them at the same time. Because uh, you can't uh, fight the whole thing all at one time, your body won't do it. And uh, you, you, but there's one thing that my daddy taught me years ago, and that is if you're going to quit something, you got to quit it. You got to give it up. You got to quit it. And it's not that easy done. And it's a battle all the time. And the devil's after you all the time. Now we must regard sin. And, and this is sometimes I think this is where we miss the point. You got to regard sin as an enemy against God. You see, the Bible says something that I took I've been studying about. My sin, the Bible says, is against thee and thee only, O God. And when it comes to sin, you got to realize something. Your sin is against God. It's an enemy of God. You must regard sin as hateful to God. And we must destroy the sin in our lives without thought of self or remorse or weirdness or regret for destroying it. We give up our sins for Jesus' sake, and that we may not dishonor Him. That's what it's about. Then notice God accepts their vows and gives them victory over the Canaanites in verse 3. Even so, God will give us complete victory over our enemy, Satan, if we face our enemies as being God's enemy. Now, notice the name of the place, Victory, God called it, Hormuth. You know what it means? It means utter destruction. This is to remind every Christian there can be no truce between a Christian soldier and his enemy sin then. we got to utterly destroy it. Now, how do you get eradicated from sin? Uh, Years ago I was looking through John 3.16 and I backed up and I began to study this and I come across this portion of Scripture and it referred me back to Numbers 21 in verse 5. And they spoke against God's men and God Himself and God sent them serpents to bite them. Now, if you study something in the Bible, the type of the brazen serpent lifted up, brass, brazen, Means means, if you study, it speaks of the wrath of God. Brass does in the Scripture. Why did God choose brass serpent to put a, a serpent up among the people? Because it speaks of the wrath of God against sin. And Moses lifted up that brass serpent upon the stake, and it's the only one the Lord Jesus Christ directly claimed for himself as a type of his own crucifixion. Jesus was high and lifted up. And I've thought about this many times. You think about all these people getting bitten, bitten by these poisonous serpents, and there's no distinction if one of them got bit. All they had to do was look to that serpent. It was high and lifted up where everybody in the camp could see it. It's the same thing with the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you ever notice it's Mount Calvary? Why Mount Calvary? Why not the Valley of Calvary? Because Jesus is high and lifted up. Why? So anybody can look to Jesus for salvation. doesn't matter what you've done. I I get amazed, and I I felt the same way when I come to Christ for salvation. I thought I had sinned so much that I I didn't know if God would have me or not. And I'm sure that it's the way we all feel. Uh, We come to the place in our life, we just don't know if God will have us or not. But I can tell anybody, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, from the Word of God, I can tell anybody, I don't care what you've done, God's arm is still open to you. Salvation is still for you too. Amen? God can save you too. And so He eradicates your sin. He'll take it away from you. You know what I like about salvation? Jesus said when He puts your sin the way He puts it behind His back. Never looks on Him again. Puts Him in the bottom of the sea. Never looks on Him again. That's eradication. Amen? Now, the origin of the evil in the camp and in the world today is the same as sin. These fiery serpents was ministers of Satan, that old serpent. Suffering and death is his natural work because he was a a murderer from the beginning, the Bible says. And he had the power of death, Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. Now, the devil... Could not harm God's people, though, unless God gave him the power to do so. Isaiah 45, verses 5, Amos 3, 6, Corinthians 5, 5, 1 Timothy 1:20. Satan can't do anything unless God allows him to. Amen? You better remember this. Satan is powerful. And I made up my mind years ago. I am not going to fight Satan men myself because I'll lose every time. You cannot win against Satan in your own flesh. i got to have power greater than I am if I'm going to fight the devil. And I learned what it is. If you got the power of God, He's greater than Satan. Amen? The Bible says, greater is He is in me than He's in the world. And I learned something. Satan cannot do anything unless God allows him to do it. Amen? Notice the helplessness of each one of those is bitten. No hurt, no poise, no charm, can expel the poison only faith in the serpent it it just takes faith to look and to live same thing when it comes to salvation all you have to do is have faith and I thought about it think of all those people around that serpent in that camp can you see some of them said that won't work that's too simple just a snake on a stake out there in the middle of everybody well I ain't going to do that yeah and you'll die too Amen? But there's another one in the same camp that says, Look, all He has me to do is look. And I'll look and live. Amen? It's the same way when it comes to salvation. God made it so simple. And Jesus died for your sins. Will you accept it or not? Will you look? Just by faith. The reason for discouragement in verse 4. Look at verse four with me just a second. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. If you study why they were discouraged in this way, you can learn how to avoid some of discouragement. Number one, the direction of the way. It led away from Canaan. Now remember, the land of Canaan is a place of rest. And it led away from. They are going away from. Them. Our circumstances sometimes seem to lead us away from the peace of God. But if we're in God's way, it's all right in the end. I've said this many times, and I believe it with all my soul. I'd rather be in the will of God, and no matter what what circumstances are in, than to be out of the will of God and have everything in the world. God's ways are better than my ways. Amen. In Psalms 25, verse 4 plainly tells us that. There's many verses that tell us God's way is always the best way. The length of the way. It may have been shorter through Edom instead of around it, but God's blessing would not have been with Him. Our shortcuts to God's peace is always the long way around. Notice something, the roughness of the way. It was a hard way. Sometimes our ways to God's peace is... Green pastures, other times it's hard. The the last part I want to share with you is the championship of the way, the companionship of the way. Some of our friends and companions are complainers and may infect us. Do you know what, folks? I believe the Bible makes it very plain. If you're going to have a friend, how somebody loves the Lord. How somebody encourages. Don't be around, people. The, the, the worst thing in the world that you can have, and you, that, there used to be some people come here, and there was three families, and every Sunday they would go eat out together at dinner time. And I found out later on after they left the church, I got inquiring in, why did y'all leave the church? You know what happened? They go after church and they sit out, They go to dinner and they're all talking about the preacher and what he preached on. And he should have did this. And he should have done that. And the preacher ain't doing this. And the preacher ain't doing that. And next thing you know, all three of those families out and gone. You don't do. You don't stay with those kind of people. You don't dwell with those kind of people. I want to be around people that's talking about the goodness of the people in church. You know it. I joke about a lot of you, and I mean, I, I kid with, about a lot of you just like men as I talk about her calling me every morning, waking me up, bless her heart, and I could pinch her head off sometime, but I'm going to tell you right now, I love her in the Lord, and I mean that, and God knows my heart. Ain't a member of this church that I don't love some of them I'd like to pinch their heads off like I said but at the same time I love them from the bottom of my heart for who they are and I don't want nobody talking about them you know what I mean I want us to be in the same mind where discouragement comes is you run around with a bunch that's talking against the church against the Lord against God's people all the time against the Bible everything that God is and first thing you know you'll get discouraged And I'm not going to do it. God is our companion to the end of the way. Now, the provisions of the way is found in verse 5. Verse 5, And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. You know, I was reading the Bible one day, and. I, my grandma Smith made, used to make them big old cake and head biscuits, they called them. About that thick and about that big around. And I never will forget, I'd go over to stay with her and she'd make me a whole cake of uh, big old biscuits. And you take your finger and put them down in there, and you take that old cane syrup and pour it down through the middle with a little bit of butter, you know. That homemade butter, i churned by the fireplace and put it on it. And man, you talk about some... I love bread. And then I moved to Tampa, Florida, and all they eat down here is light bread. And I got in the Bible one day, and I found a loaf, this light bread. I found where it came from. Amen. I'd rather have the day I went home, and I told you I had stew waiting on me, and my wife said, Would you fix some cornbread? And I did. I fixed a big old pan of cornbread. And let me tell you something. You take that cornbread, and you crumble it up in that stew just right, you know what I'm talking about? That's a good eating. ain't nothing like that bread. But that light bread, you can take it and do whatever you want to. it. I just want plain, good bread. Amen? And I want you to watch something. It's very important you see this. Uh, Don't gripe about what God does for you. Listen. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Where have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread. Oh, yes, they are. God has been feeding them of manna from heaven. Amen. You know what I like in that too? Oral cookies. Amen. I get up there every morning. I have me 4 old cookies and a cup of coffee. And every morning, I started five. My wife tell now. I, I up, to, up to one. I eat five now. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I, I enjoy it. And I've sat there many mornings and I've thought about I wonder what those were, that, that manna was really like. And the Bible tells us. It was a wafer. Now, I know what a wafer is. You ever have a gingerbread wafer? Or ginger? Not ginger bread, just ginger wafer. I don't know if that was it or not, but it was called. I used to love those things. But I know one thing: God fed them the best, the very best. Isn't it strange to you that somebody, some people, some Christians will gripe when God is doing the best for them? They're getting the very best that God can, and they still gripe about it. And God said, "That you know what?" You might gripe against Moses, but you ain't griping against Moses. You're griping against me because I'm the one that chose Moses. You get that? Brother, you don't gripe against God's people and God's blessings because if you do, you're griping against God. And that's dangerous. That's a dangerous place to live. And the Bible tells us, walk in Christ. That's the way... Colossians 2 verses 6 through 10 talks about us walking in Christ, having the mind of Christ Jesus. And When you have the mind of Christ, that's different than the world. Amen. What a chapter this really is. I wish I could I'd go on all night about it because there's so much taught here that I get caught up in verse chapter sometime. I forget uh, it all runs together and I can't say all the things I want to. time won't allow me to, but at the same time, I get such a blessing out of just reading and studying verse by verse. A man taught me years ago there's several ways of, of preaching the Word of God. You can preach the Word of God by subject. You can take Christ, for instance, and just stay right there. Just stay right there in Christ. Or sin. Or just pick a subject. And you can preach all day on that subject. Or you can uh, just take a uh, exegesis, And I don't even know how to say the word or spell the word. But there's, there's a certain kind of preaching that they called that. And it's taking a Scripture verse by verse just going down the road. You know who I used to love to hear do that? Oh, Dr. Her- uh, Oliver B. Green. Oliver B. Green come on the radio and he'd verse by verse. And then later on, I got his books and I started reading them. And what a blessing. Oh boy, I, when I was preaching the first church I had, and I'd go out Bush Boulevard and hit 75, and head up to Wildwood, the little church way back out there in the woods. And I'd get up on 75, and just as i get up there every Saturday night, I'd start up there to preach. And this black preacher would come on the radio, and he'd put in preaching. I don't know if he could read or it was just something they did in their church. I don't know. A lot of people do this. Uh, I know Dr. Jack Hiles. He never read the scriptures before he preached, and yeah, one of his men did. But he would he would come on. He said, "Read on," and they'd read a verse or two of scripture. He said, "Hold it right there. Let me expound upon that now." And then he'd take off and he'd preach for a few minutes. He'd hold it right there. Read on. And the guy would read on. And he'd expound on it. I used to laugh at that guy and enjoy his preaching. And that's the way you do the Bible. Amen? Just enjoy it as God gives it to you. And it's such a blessing. Glad I'm saved tonight, aren't you? Don't forget to pray for the sick, please. Stand with me, please. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you bless your people tonight? Lord, we're so thankful to be saved tonight and to be blessed of Your Word every time we read it and study it. Father, help us to stay in it more and just understand what You'd have us out of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing something, please.